There's something about it. There's something about those kind of generous expressions that speak to something otherworldly. That there's more than what we see here and now. There's more than, than what we can gain. There's more than just what we can acquire for ourselves. There's more than just what this culture says that we should be about. When you see crazy generosity like that, it reminds you that there's a God who's bigger. It, it, it reveals behind the curtain that there is a generous God. That there's a God at the center of the universe that's the source of things. That the world does not revolve around us and what we can consume and get for ourselves. There's something more. There's something bigger. Look at this verse in, first, or in Psalm 145. It says, The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up those who are bowed down. It's who he is. He is faithful in all he does. And he's looking for people who are hurting, who are fallen, who are down and out, and he delights in being generous and bringing them back up. Now, you might be someone in that situation now, going through something. You might feel like you're down and out. You might feel like you're waiting on God's generosity. He is a generous God. It's who he is. He just maybe hasn't expressed it in the way that you're looking for yet. But it's who he is. Look at this next verse in the same chapter. Open your hand. This is, he's talking to God. God, you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. Not sometimes, not periodically, not occasionally. He is righteous in all his ways and good in all that he does. It's who he is. And he satisfies all living things with his hands. Now do me a favor, play along. Look at your hands real quick. When you look at your hands, what do you see? Do you see, what's, what's the difference between your hands and God's hands? Your hands, my hands, I use, generally speaking, a lot of my life to take, to get, to grab, to gain, to do more. God's hands, the Bible says, he satisfies all living things with his hands. All living things receive from God's generous hands. It's who he is. Next verse. The Lord is near to all who, come, who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. So God is not only generous with, with blessing us with the things that we need. He's generous in proximity. He's generous in his nearness, that he's close, that he's the God of the universe, that every living thing received from his hands and he's close to you. Every living thing receives and is satisfied from the God of the universe and the same God is generous in his proximity, in his closeness, in his nearness to you. And in, if and when you cry out, he is close. He is close. He is, he is ready to be there to save you, to meet your needs. That is the God that he is. That is our generous God. He goes further. Look at this next verse in James. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Any of you need wisdom today? Are any of you wrestling with decisions in life and figuring out the next step and where you should go from here and, and how you should handle this situation? 
God promises that he gives wisdom generously without criticizing and fault-finding. A lot of us think, a lot of us think that God is just waiting to kind of pounce on some kind of wrongdoing, that why would he give me more wisdom, more knowledge, if I've already, you know, blown it in all these ways before? I haven't used it well in the past. Why would he, maybe he'll turn the faucet off and I won't hear from him for a while or whatever else. He is not that kind of a God. He is a generous God. He gives generously to those who ask, to those who are desperate from his, for his wisdom. But I know, you know, if, if you're in a difficult spot, if you're in that kind of hard place, sometimes you, you, the, the kind of the pleasantries or the re- trite religious things don't always satisfy. You know, you don't want to hear if you're struggling and you're, and you're just desperate for change and wisdom and knowing what to do next and, and things aren't happening. You don't want to hear someone say, well, you know, just trust God, just trust God. You can, but that's not what you want to hear, right? I know, I've been in that situation. I, I remember... Um, when my wife and I were, were living up in Washington, because most of you know her mom was sick, so we moved up there, I left business and stuff that was going on, and I went up there without a job. We just went to be there, to be with her mom. Her mom died, we stayed. But I didn't have work. I was just kind of piecing stuff together. I did some consulting. I did some little coaching here. I did some speaking over here and was barely making it. But because of Hillary's family and the connections in Gig Harbor and all that, we got a house. And we were barely paying a mortgage on this house. It was probably a bad decision. But we're in this house and we're trying to make ends meet. Hillary's working extra because I am still trying to figure out how to piece it all together. She's stressed out. She wants me to get a real job, you know, that, you know, that pays the bills and has insurance and stuff like that. And so I'm looking for that and asking God for wisdom. God, I didn't plan on this. I didn't plan on moving up here. I didn't plan on you taking her mom. I didn't plan on leaving all this behind. I don't want to live in this rainy land uh, that, that is like sun forsaken. I, I, I just... I just want, I, why? And I, now I'm going to have to do a job that I don't like? Like, what is this, what am I supposed to do here? And we waited, and I, and, I, and I started applying for jobs, you know, random things, and nothing was happening. And we kept praying and asking God, and he didn't, he didn't seem to speak. And it was months of, like, barely scraping by, barely making stuff happen, lots of stress and figuring that out between her and I. And after weeks and months of that process, I'm just like, there was a job, should I move up to Seattle for this job? And there was this other job that was taking us in a totally different direction and just praying, God, help. And I felt like he said, no, not, not that thing. And, but then we were at, you know, the, it was like the 11th hour, we were having to make a decision. And Hillary is meeting with some girls and they're praying together and she feels like she hears from God and she comes to me and she says, I think we're supposed to move to Orange County. I'm like, really, what? Now, okay, you know, but that wouldn't have happened unless we had gone through the months of pain. She wouldn't have been able to hear that, leaving her family, her place, her, the, the, the place that she knows where she lost her mom and all of that, unless we had gone through this season of quietness and pain and struggle. Sometimes wisdom is in the waiting. You think that God isn't generous with his wisdom. You think that God isn't generous in providing, but sometimes his generosity is in that process that's painful. Otherwise, we wouldn't have got here and he wouldn't have been able to do all that he's done with us down here in this last year or whatever. Sometimes his wisdom is in the waiting. You can trust that God is a generous God. 
Look at this next verse in Matthew. It says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. So even though you are selfish, even though I am selfish, even though we, we know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more, he says, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? I know. I mean, my kid's three weeks old, right? I would do anything for this kid. How much more, your heavenly Father, does he love to give good gifts to you. You have a father in heaven who loves to give generously. He specializes it. He invented it. Generosity is his thing. So when we were about to leave Washington, we made that decision. We're about to move down here. It brought up a whole nother set of issues for Hillary because when her mom died, she just moved a bunch of her mom's stuff into our our guest bedroom because she couldn't deal with it. Like emotionally, some of you know what that's like. She just couldn't process it, couldn't go through it, couldn't sort it out, couldn't look at it. And now we're selling the house and we're moving and she has to and it's overwhelming for her. And so she went on a run and she could tell you the story better than me. She went on a run and she's running and she's just bawling on this run saying, God, I I can't handle this. I I can barely, you know, put both feet in front of me because my mom, who I talk to every day for my whole life, is gone. And now I have to make decisions about her stuff and we have to leave this town where she grew up and all this stuff. And she's just bawling. She gets back from that run and there's a message on her cell phone from a woman named Janie Pinio. Janie was married to a guy who at the time was a CEO of an airline. And she said, I was just thinking about you and I wanted to know if you needed help kind of packing up your house to move. And then she said this on the message. I especially want to help you with your mom's stuff because I know that must be hard. And so Janie, this person with other things that she could be doing, comes for an entire weekend, eight hours on both days, and does nothing but help my wife process through all of that stuff. How much more does our Heavenly Father love to give good gifts, even through people like Janie, who step in where a mom is absent? How much more does your Heavenly Father love to make sure that you are taken care of, to show you how generous He is through you, through other people? God is generous through people, through situations, but He's also generous just in general. His generosity is on display all around us. I want, I want to show you a few pictures. Uh, these are stars. This is like some kind of galaxy. Uh, actually, let, I think it's the uh, Sandy Rancher galaxy. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. I, 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 I just went about, I was starting to like learn what some stars and galaxies were, and I was like, I can't even remember some of my cousin's names. There's no way that I am going to be able, to, but I'm fascinated by kind of astronomy in this sense, that did you know that our eyes can only comprehend like a thousand stars at a time? So our students who are up in Big Bear right now, if they went outside last night and looked up into the sky, they would see an uncountable amount of stars. They can only comprehend, visually see a thousand. You know how many there are? About 10 million, or I mean 10 billion with a B in our galaxy. You know how many galaxies there are? Have they discovered with all these telescopes and things? About 10 billion. I mean, just the... The billions upon billions upon billions? Why? We we can only see a thousand at a time. We serve a God of abundance. 
We serve a God who, who just, he has, he has no capacity limit. Generosity is who he is. He just gives extravagantly. You can just look at the stars and you can see. It's crazy how much. So bring it back closer to home a little bit. Uh, I wanted to show you a couple of flowers. You didn't think I would put flowers on the screen, did you? Um, these are orchids. And actually in the first service, uh, because I know so much about botany, I was calling them orchids. And, uh, <laughs> and I kept calling them orchids. I just read it like online this week and I was like, fascinating. Look at these orchids. I'll just tell you first, there's like, there, there's, there's like 10,000 different species of flowers. And then there's like a thousand varieties of orchids alone. Did you know that? I mean, no, you probably wouldn't, but I, I didn't. But I'm, so I'm calling them like over and over again, orchid. These, look at these, or, this is a pink orchid. And this is, and then there's like people over here that are like busting up laughing and Graham is like over here like this. He doesn't know what it is, but someone told him that I was saying it wrong. And then, and then some like sweet lady right here goes, they're laughing because it's pronounced orchid. And I'm like, Oh, so apparently it's an orchid, and everyone, I mean, it was just a, a circus. So I'm not doing a seminar on botany later. I'm, I, I'm just telling you that God is extravagant. We could do the same thing with beetles, and with the, there's so many varieties. Why? Because he is generous. He, he, he does things in abundance. He is so liberal with his gifts. He gave us this world to live in and to manage, and he gave abundantly, and he gives abundantly. He is the God of generosity. Generosity is his idea. It's, who he, it's an expression of who he is. You can't count the number of orchids. You can't count the stars in the sky because he's crazy generous. He's a generous God. It's from his hands that we receive all these things. He's, he's so generous, in fact, that he's, he, it's even like to an unfair extent. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to read this with you on the screen here. In Matthew chapter 20, we go here. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Stop there. So, what we have here is in this day in the ancient world, people would go outside that needed work and they would wait around in the marketplace. And then someone who owned a vineyard, a landowner like this, would come and he would choose workers to come and work in his vineyard. We know a little something about that living in Southern California. There are people that wait and they need work. And so someone goes and selects them and invites them to come and work for them, right? Typically what a landowner will do is he will assess the situation and he will look at someone who's a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit younger, maybe that looks like they can get put in a good day's work, and he will choose those people first. And that's what happened. That, that's the way it happened. So the people that were less likely to contribute were there waiting a lot longer. Go on. About nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others still standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, hey, you also can come and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. Next slide. He went out again at about noon and about three in the afternoon. He did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. So the people that probably didn't have much to offer in terms of carrying a heavy burden and working very hard, maybe people that were 
handicapped in some way or people that were really on the older side and weren't going to be able to pull as much weight. He goes out again and again and he invites them in to come and work. He gives them purpose for their day. They were out there waiting just to contribute in some way and he gave them the ability to contribute. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call all the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. Intentionally, he started with the last ones hired and go along to the first. He could have done it the other way. He could have paid the people first and then they would have gone and he could have done what he wanted to do. He does the last first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Understandable, right? We put in a whole day's work. But each one of them also received just a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal. Notice, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. Next slide. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't I agree? Didn't you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give... I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Last slide. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Generosity is wonderful when we receive it. But sometimes, I have this in me, maybe you do too, when others receive it that we don't think deserve it. And somehow it brings them in standing kind of like up to us, we get a little bit jaded. We, we, we don't like to see that. There's something in me and maybe in you that we love that God is generous. We love that he's a generous God because we receive that generosity. But sometimes when we see him generous with others, we start to think, but wait a minute. I've been here from the beginning. I have put in some good hard work I have served like crazy. I have given like crazy. I have behaved good. I haven't been rebellious. I haven't lived in a weird way like these other people have. I haven't gone and off the deep end and done all the stuff that he has. I've been good. How come you're giving them the same generosity as me? Sometimes it seems like God's generosity is so good, so generous that it's unfair. And that's his message to you and I today. He is so generous. He's generous to all people. All people are welcomed in. All people are welcomed into his kingdom if they will come. All people he will give life and love and purpose and meaning. All people who are waiting and looking for something, he will invite them in and they will take part in his place, in his kingdom, in what he is doing. He is liberal with his love and generous with his grace. And he says, my grace is for all people. 
That is the kind of God that I am. I am a generous God. It's who I am. Don't get stuck on whether things are fair or if this is that or or whatever it is. There is a bigger story. There are billions of stars. There are thousands of orchids and flowers. There is so much more going on in this story than you understand. You already have more than you realize. This isn't a story about stuff. It's a story about something else altogether. Look at this next verse. In John, for God so loved the world, might sound familiar, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Next verse. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice. He gave himself up. Look at your hands again. Now look at these hands. The ironic thing about the hands of Jesus is that they literally have holes. He couldn't hold anything back if he wanted to. He gives to the fullest extent. And he's given that way for you. Not just for you, for anyone who will receive him. But that gift of life and life eternal, it's so much more than you can comprehend. And if you're thinking about, well, I work a few extra hours, or I've been here, or I, I, mean, I, need, I need a few extra bucks, I need an extra room in my house. If that is your kind of scarcity mentality, you are missing out on the abundant life that God has for you. There is more for you, and it might not be stuff. There is more life. He literally gave it all and still does. When he looks at his hands, he sees reminders that there's nothing else that he can give. There's nothing that he holds on to. My hands grab and gain and try to grasp whatever I can. His hands just give to you and to me. That is who this God is. Next verse. God has given us, has given us, look at what it says, has given us eternal life. In this, the life of his son. It's past tense. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, eternity has begun. It starts. You get to experience that life to the full. That can be yours. That is his gift to you. It's not some heaven thing in the future. That kind of abundant life, that generous life that he has planned for you can and should start now. He has given it to you. Last verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. What he wants for you is abundant living. That's the message. That's his generosity. That your life would be full of abundance. Not necessarily full of stuff, but full, generous in love and abundance. You serve a generous God. That's who he is. We're going we're gonna to fire up the technology. Jonathan, fire up this, uh, this magic machine real fast. It's dead? Never mind. We're not going to fire up the technology. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Do you know that um, you're a part of a really generous church? The, the people that are around you, I mean, Mariner's Church as a whole is... is 
It's the most generous people in Orange County. It's the most generous people around. And our community in Huntington Beach, per person, is the most generous in Mariner's Church. You, whether financially, people serving, you are around generous people. It's who we are. So to a degree, we understand God's generosity and we are passing it on. We are passing it along. It's who we are. That's, that's, that is inherent in who we are. But there's still more. There's still more for you. There's still more for you to, to, to know, to grasp, to, to realize about how generous God has been to you and then how, what he wants to do through you, through your hands. Because here's the thing. God's generosity is now being realized through you. His generosity in Huntington Beach and the community around us is going to come through your hands. It's going to come through you, through your hands. Whether it's financial, whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's going and serving and, t- and tutoring kids at Pacific Courts, whether it's giving generously in some way, whether it's seeing a need and meeting a need, whether it's spending time and offering the things that you have, his generosity, his giving is, is still happening and is, is going to be happening through you and me, through these hands, through us. That's his story. That's his plan. That's how this thing plays out. He continues to bless people through you, through people like Janie, through people like Monica, through people like us. That is what he is doing. He is continuing his abundance, his blessings. You receive them and you give them away. Generosity through you. We put in your bulletins this card. Will you grab that? It's a blue and green card. It looks like this. On this card, the idea of this card is to tear it off and the green part is for you to keep. On the financial side of generosity, we just wanted to give you something practical that you could do. Take some cash, put it in the other side, the blue side, fold it over where that line is and paper clip it. But take it out of your wallet now so that you don't think later on and forget that it's, your, that it's still your money. Take it out and put it in there now. And I want you to begin to pray that God would show you a need. In the life of someone that you know, maybe someone that you don't know. This money isn't for us. You don't put this in the offering. This is for you. This is for God to speak to you to give away to somebody else. For you to see a need and meet a need. For you to hear God speak and inspire you to be generous. Money is just one way of doing it. Like I said, there are, there are many ways that you can give. If you want to tutor, if you want to serve here, you just come and talk to us on the patio. We, we, we can let you know about stuff like that. But I, this, is, this is a fun thing. God will speak. He will, when you carry this around in your pocket, you will begin to notice things you didn't notice before. You'll begin to see people in a different way. You'll begin to look for needs that are around you. And then you'll be able to meet a practical need. Next week, we're going to have a video booth that's here outside. And we want you to come and we, we want you to tell us the stories of what happened as a result of your generosity. Not because it's weird and you're boasting or bragging about it. Just because we believe that we want to celebrate together what God is doing through us. That we want to just get other people excited about, hey, 
This, this matters. God will lead you. God will speak to you. God will bless other people through you. That's his plan. That's what he desires to do. There's a guy named uh, Lexi. He's an older guy, and he's been a, he has been a shoe shiner for 30 years in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at one particular children's hospital right in Pittsburgh. This guy's been shining shoes for, for 30 years in the lobby of that hospital. He charges $5 per shoe shine. And then he gets some tips on top of that. Over the last 30 years, Lexi has lived off of the $5 shoe shine price. And any tips that he's gotten, he has put away. And he has given to families at the hospital who can't afford the treatment for their kids. Over the last 30 years, Lexi, a shoe shiner, has given over $200,000 to families that needed medical help at that one hospital. Whatever you put in this card, it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be a couple of dollars. It could be a couple of hundred dollars. Give in proportion to how you feel like God's blessed you. But know that it matters. If we take on that attitude of being the extension of God's hands to this world around us, we will change things. That kind of a generosity, it stands out in this culture. And we want to be people who stand out that God is using and working through and doing unusual things. And he will radically bless your life too as a result. God, I just pray that you would help us to hear from you, that you would show us the needs around us, but first and foremost, that you would show us how richly you have blessed us, how generous you have been with us from sending your own son to die to pay for the sins of the world, to pay for all of my shame, to pay for all of my sinfulness, and then in practical ways as you, as you love to give good gifts to your children. Help us understand your generosity and then help us to show it to others. In Jesus' name.